I briefly got into this. I briefly got into this yesterday, but I want to look a little bit closer because there's a new poll out. And I think Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania is going to decide the election once again. I don't think anything else has dramatically changed on the electoral map. I think Florida, unfortunately, is going to be Republican again, most likely. Uh, I think when you look at swing states, I think Ohio has leaned a little bit more conservative. It might be in play for the Democrats, but I think Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania are the deciding factors. I really do. This poll, it was with the Detroit News, shows that Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden are both beating Donald Trump by 12 points, 53 to 41% in Michigan. So that's pretty, that's pretty good. So if you're, if you're politically agnostic, if you, if you really, if you just want to beat Trump and you'll vote blue, no matter who you'll say, Oh, great. Either way, we're going to beat Trump in Michigan, which again, if you're following politics, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, they will decide this election. The only other state that I think could be a true shocker is Arizona. I think Arizona is slowly becoming a little bit more less conservative. Uh, and I don't think Trump won Arizona by that much. But anyway, so Michigan, to, to, the, to the naked eye, oh, great. If I just want to be Trump, I, I win either way. Bernie will beat him in Michigan or Biden will beat him in Michigan because they're both up 12 points. And not so far. Not so, not so fast. Not so fast. So if you, if you look a little closer into the poll, uh, Biden leads Trump 53% to 41% with 4% undecided. And this and was the only top candidate from either party with favorable name identification. <laughs> wait, till, wait till Michigan finds out about uh, middle class Joe, union man Joe, and his love of NAFTA, the TPP, and every single trade deal that has decimated Michigan and the Rust Belt. But I digress. Uh, and this poll also showed that he was... Um, he had the strongest support of independence. Uh, that was interesting to me. There was no link to actually like find the raw poll. I wanted to see how, how much more favorable did Joe Biden, how much stronger was Joe Biden among independents than Bernie Sanders? Because previous data tells us Bernie Sanders actually has the strongest uh, favorabilities among independents. But there was, I, I couldn't find a link to where the actual poll was. So, all right, Bernie Sanders, uh, Biden up 12 points. And in, this is particularly in the state of Michigan. And it says he was strongest among independents. It also says he polled particularly well with female voters, despite recent accusations that the 76-year-old Democrat made women uncomfortable by violating their personal space. Uh, Biden is, quote, the only candidate for president on either side of the ballot that independents like. And that is a dramatic finding, some pollster said. So... Before I get to the Bernie part of that poll in Michigan, uh, that's complete BS that Biden is the only candidate that uh, independent voters like. That's just not true. Not true at all. So Bernie Sanders in 2016, if you remember, did incredibly well in open primary states. Open primary states are when independent voters, Democrat voters can vote, not just Democrats, independent voters. That's why he did incredibly well in Indiana, uh, Rhode Island, uh, uh, Oregon, I believe, and many other states that were open primaries. Uh, 538, which, you know, not a big Nate Silver fan, 
I think he's pretty much the, if, if you look in the definition of a coastal cocktail crowd liberal who's completely out of touch, Nate Silver's picture is right there. However, uh, this piece on 538 is accurate. Um, why is, uh, all right, 12 years later, another presidential candidate, Bernie Sanders, this is from 2016. Uh, another presidential candidate from Vermont is seeking the Democratic nomination. Like Dean, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders aims to outflank his op opponent from the left. But unlike Dean, Sanders does much better among independents than among Democrats. In New Hampshire, for instance, Sanders won Democrats by four percentage points while winning independents by nearly 50 percentage points, a split we've seen repeatedly since then. Some of Sanders' strongest performances in primaries have come in places such as New Hampshire, Michigan, and Wisconsin, states whose rules allow independents to vote in either primary. In fact, to date, Sanders has compiled an unexpected record, performing very well in caucuses, but having just having won just a single closed primary. So why is Sanders doing so well among independents? It appears to be driven not by, the, not by their ideology so much as their dislike of partisan politics. And that, that implication for Sanders' prospects in the upcoming primaries in New York, which was rigged, in Pennsylvania, Connecticut, and Maryland, all of which are closed to non-Democrats. Understanding why Sanders does so well among independents in the Democratic primaries can also give us hints about his appeal to moderate voters should he make the general election. So I just read that to basically debunk what this Michigan poll that says, oh, Joe Biden is doing the best among independents. Well, they didn't link to the actual poll, so I can't look at the numbers to see how favorable is Joe Biden doing among independents. Uh, I would venture to guess, based on Bernie Sanders' performance during the 2016 primaries, Bernie Sanders will do way better than Joe Biden in open primary states, because I don't see a whole lot of independents voting for a NAFTA-loving, TPP-loving, uh, Wall Street deregulating-loving, Iraq War-loving, crime bill writer, creepo, like Joe Biden. The, the Michigan poll has Biden and Bernie both beating uh, Trump by 12 points. But when you look into the actual numbers, it's a lot better for Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sand Sanders, a democratic socialist who, you know, they always have to add the socialist part. A democratic socialist who won Michigan's 2016 presidential primary leads Trump 53 to 41% with 5% undecided. Unlike Biden, he has a polling advantage over Trump among male voters and is doing particularly well among men with only a high school degree, a demographic that helped elect the president in 2016. Quote, Sanders has that uniqueness that he kind of disrupts the Trump pattern of less educated male voters, uh, this pollster said. Biden exacerbates it. So let me read that again. Sanders has a uniqueness that he kind of disrupts the Trump pattern of less educated male voters. If you, if, if you read again, he does very well among male voters and is doing particularly well among men only with a high school degree, a, democratic, a demographic that helped elect the president in 2016. So I don't really, listen, I'm skipping the whole debate about should we focus on the white working class? Should we focus on blacks and Latinos and all that stuff? I don't really care who Bernie Sanders or who the Democrats focus on. I care, focus on who, whichever group you got to focus on to win, to win. I, I don't, you know, white working class, black working class, identity politics, it doesn't matter. How will Bernie Sanders win? How will a Democratic uh, Party nominee win? 
And the answer is by picking off 20 to 25 percent of Donald Trump's voters. I even think if you pick off 10 to 15 percent of Donald Trump's voters, there's a chance that a Democratic nominee could win because the Democratic nominee, for the most part, is going to get the the Democratic vote. I think older Democrats would even hold their nose and vote for Bernie Sanders. I really do. I think uh, millennial uh, young people would come out in droves for Bernie Sanders. If all things are equal and the Democratic candidate can get, you know, de- uh, older people, can get younger people, can get black people, can get Latino people, that still doesn't necessarily be Trump. Hillary Clinton got a lot of those from all of those groups. The problem was she did not inspire those Reagan Democrats and 10% of those who voted for 10% of Democrats who voted for Barack Obama switched to Donald Trump. So which candidate can get the Democratic votes, but also take voting share away from Trump? Well, this poll shows you the only the candidate in Michigan in particular, and I get pretty sure you'll have a similar story in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania because it's it's very similar demographics. It's predominantly white, working class, and those states have been destroyed by NAFTA, trade deals, offshoring of jobs, deindustrialization, automization, and on and on. And if you're living in Michigan, if you're living in if you're living in Wisconsin, if you're living in Pennsylvania, if you're living in Ohio, and you're watching, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So what this goes hand in hand with what I experienced firsthand on the 2016 campaign trail, because I made it a habit to interview uh, Trump voters at his rallies. And I asked, hey, if not Trump, if not Trump, who would you vote for? You know, thinking maybe I'll get Ted Cruz. Maybe I'll get Ben Carson. Somebody in this clown car. I got probably dozens of people who told me Bernie Sanders without even thinking twice because Trump got a lot of uh, Trump got a lot of uh, voters that were some of them were traditional Republicans, but a lot of them were basically have voted both Democrat or voted Republican, depending on the candidate. So Trump got the anti-establishment, yes, white working class voter. I don't find it racist to say we, you do want to get white working class voters. You also want to get a, a, a huge turnout from black voters and Latino voters and millennial voters. I don't think it's bad to say, yes, he, you should get, he wants to get the, the, those voters that voted for Trump, which were white, largely working class voters, but also he's going to bring out, he wants to bring out an unprecedented amount of young people. He wants to bring out voters who haven't voted in, the, in many elections. Who is going to have a chance to pick off 10 to 20 percent of Trump voters in Michigan? Well, this poll tells you Bernie Sanders. Right there. Unlike Biden, he has a polling advantage over Trump among male voters and is doing particularly well among men with only a high school degree, a a demographic that helped elect the president in 2016. Quote, Sanders has that uniqueness that he kind of disrupts the Trump pattern of less educated male voters. Biden exacerbates it. Well, Hillary Clinton did fairly well with 
those with college degrees. She did very poorly with white men without college degrees. So two things. Who's going to get 10 to 15 percent of Trump voters and who is going to get back those Obama voters that switched over to Trump? Because part of Trump's voting block was Obama voters that switched over to Trump. It's Bernie. You want to know why? Because I was there. It wasn't Putin. It wasn't Putin that convinced those people in Wisconsin, Michigan and Ohio to vote for Donald Trump. It was NAFTA. As soon as Trump was hollering about NAFTA at these rallies, it was kind of like um, it was kind of like the Lion King with the hyenas pouncing. They were pouncing. They loved it so much. When he said, I'm getting rid of NAFTA and I'm bringing the jobs back and I'm taking it to Goldman Sachs. Of course, he was full of it. Of course, he was full of beep, trying not to get demonetized. But this is this is the way to beat him. This is the way to beat Donald Trump. So I want you to save this article. I'm putting you, I'm putting it in the live chat. Excuse me, I'm putting it in the super chat. This is a super chat because I don't want to hear it from the Democratic Party if they push Joe Biden and when Joe Biden loses, the data and the evidence was right there that Bernie Sanders could pick off a substantial, a substantial amount of Donald Trump voters. It's right there. They're just blind. As we've exposed that these polls are BS because they're oversampling people over 50, they're undersampling people under 50, a lot of these polls, a lot of these polls also, if you look at it, the major, uh, a very large number of people don't know Joe Biden's record in the Senate. So you wait till Donald Trump starts calling him NAFTA Joe. You wait till Donald Trump starts calling him TPP Joe. You wait. The other thing is, the other thing is, not only, not only is Do- Donald Trump going to expose him, but Joe Biden is actively fundraising as we speak. Well, not as we speak. He's actively scheduling fundraisers with union busters. He's actively fund- uh, uh, scheduling fundraisers with donors that were on Obama's TPP committee. Donors that tried to push through the TPP with Obama. Obama had a TPP committee. One of the donors that's setting up a fundraiser for Joe Biden in San Francisco was on the TPP committee and was pushing the TPP. You don't think the voter... What, okay, so these people in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, they suddenly are going to not care about NAFTA and TPP? when they were very, very concerned about it in 2016, and that's one of the big reasons that they voted for Trump and were against Hillary Clinton. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Uh, This next story, honestly, could change while I'm live. I've been waiting for Tulsi Gabbard's campaign to get back to me. Her campaign press secretary did get back to me asking if, he could have an extension because uh, I said I go live at five. So can you give me a comment before I go live? Uh, he said, can I have an extension? So I told him 530. Haven't heard from him yet. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I have not seen uh, any other segment on this. I saw Jamal Thomas do a segment on this, but I did not see. I, I heard people saying uh, my former colleague Anna Kasparian did something on this. 
uh, and others. So I've only seen Jamarl's segment on this. I love Jamarl, uh, but he only, I, I don't think it was intentional, but I think he missed, I think he missed one of the events that's in question. So first, uh, let's get into one of the events uh, that, to me, does not seem problematic. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard's going to be in New York, uh, I believe, starting tomorrow. And uh, she's doing this event. Um, it's on 38th Street. I don't know whose apartment that is. Uh, it doesn't say whose apartment that is. I heard from somebody. It's a surgeon. But I don't... Oh, Dr. Yeah, Dr. Raj Bayani, uh, who I is a surgeon, so he's not a Wall Street bigwig. So uh, I, don't, I don't know why that's problematic. Uh, to me, I, I think there was a little confusion where people thought that uh, the Fox News story that said she was courting Wall Street donors was talking about this particular event. I don't think that Fox News story was actually talking about this particular event. And again, I have reached out to Tulsi Gabbard's campaign because I want to be fair and I want to give them a chance to give a comment. Uh, so I'm just going with my knowledge of the event, uh, my knowledge of who is sponsoring the event, and I will definitely update the story if they um, get back to me after. So this is the event uh, that I think comes off a little problematic. And I'm a fan of Tulsi Gabbard, but I'm, you know, I can't treat her with kid gloves. Uh, I can't treat Kamala Harris and Joe Biden and the rest of them one way and not be consistent if it's Tulsi Gabbard. So uh, this is happening tomorrow uh, in New York City. It's a breakfast, uh, obviously, with Tulsi Gabbard. It's hosted by uh, Farvahar Partners, uh, which I'll, I'll just read you uh, the description here. Omid Malik, a former Bank of America prime, broker prime brokerage executive who is widely known in the hedge fund industry, has started in a, a merchant bank to invest in early stage businesses and alternative investment funds. Uh, Malik formed Farvahar Partners in January with partner Joe Vabaril, who previously worked under Malik at Bank of America. The New York firm will invest proprietary capital in consumer-oriented technology companies, blah, 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 not niche-focused hedge funds and private. So this guy, uh, I I'll just tell you straight up, how I start looking into donors is I Google the person's name and corruption. It's not that hard. The corporate media just doesn't want to look. So I just Google a person's name who I see is either donating to a candidate or a, fa a fundraiser is being held uh, with a person, you know, donating to, at the fundraiser. I, I type the person's name and corruption. Uh, when I type this person's name, uh, nothing that problematic came out. He did get fired from Bank of America. Apparently there were some accusations against him. Uh, from a woman, uh, I don't, I don't really know the details surrounding that. He actually sued, and he got a big, big settlement from Bank of America. So I don't really know enough about it to tell you whether uh, this guy who who uh, owns the uh, private equity group that's sponsoring Tulsi's breakfast tomorrow. I don't know enough about it to know if he did something wrong or he didn't do something wrong. So I'm just going to remove that from the equation. He was pretty high up there at Bank of America. So the bottom line is she's doing a fundraiser tomorrow with a former executive at Bank of America. The other part of this that I think is, 
yeah, I do think it's a little problematic, to be honest with you. I, I just can't, I can't treat Tulsi Gabbard different than I would other candidates. Um, she, this, this event is at a place called the Core Club, uh, the Core Club here in New York. So let me show you that. So Core Cultural Programming, Breakfast with Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard. Well, the Core Club is really an epicenter for really, really wealthy, out-of-touch folks to go be wealthy and out of touch. Uh, I'll just read you briefly. Um, ba -ba -ba -ba. They, they describe a really rich woman walking into a place. She looked like money, the woman with the sleek long legs, tanned a light toast color, and with a man highlighted, with a mane highlighted by honeyed streaks conjured by some magician. Her suit was Chanel, but emphatically not matronal Chanel. Her wrists were manacled with slave bracelets from Cartier. So you get the point there. This New York Times story is describing a very wealthy woman. She ordered, well, what does it matter what she ordered? As Marlene Deitch once ordered, New Yorkers, and particularly those of certain social stratum, are hungry for everything except food. And for those New Yorkers and their kind who used, who, who, those used to breathing the rarefied air of great wealth, there is a particular gathering place in Manhattan, a quiet six-story annex of a mid Midtown office building, unmarked and inconspicuous, where they can be among their kind. The place is the Core Club. The, this private members-only club on East 55th Street was created six years ago to serve as a place where, the New York Times reported before it opened, a geographically and socially diverse set of wealthy people might, quote, gather and meet others of the same disparate tribe. I mean, I don't know how to describe it other than this is a gathering where rich people gather. Um, there's no other way to say it. This is where rich people hobnob. They have events, they have social gatherings, cocktail parties, uh, lectures, things like that. So Tulsi Gabbard uh, is having an event there tomorrow morning um, with this guy, uh, Omid Malik. Uh, the founder and CEO of Farvahar Partners, which isn't, Farvahar Partners isn't like a big bank on Wall Street. It's, it's kind of like a private equity firm. It does a lot of dealings with hedge funds and other kind of Wall Street businesses, but it's not like a, a huge Merrill Lynch, Goldman Sachs kind of place. However, Malik was a big Bank of America executive. So the question becomes, do we destroy Tulsi Gabbard for having a fundraiser with anyone associated with Walmart. Walmart, see, I haven't slept. Do we destroy her for having a fundraiser with anyone linked to finance and Wall Street? Or do we wait to see what is this guy's positions? Because I happen, I, I mean, I don't mean, it, I don't mean it in any other way than it sounds, but the bottom line is, he is he's Muslim. So it's a, it's a possibility that as a Muslim man, I don't know, that he is very attracted to Tulsi Gabbard's position on ending the regime change wars and the endless military industrial complex that has been bombing and killing Muslim people around the world basically for the last forever by the military industrial complex. That is a possibility. So I have to be, I have to play devil's advocate if, if I saw that she was having a fundraiser with someone from Goldman Sachs or something like that, I'd be a lot more outspoken. The fact is, this guy was at Bank of America. I looked. I didn't find anything 
as far as corruption with him at Bank of America. And he also, we also have to state what Tulsi Gabbard has voted for and against. This is her last year uh, as far as voting against Wall Street deregulation. In opposing this bill and standing for the protection of everyday Americans, we can't forget that it was only 10 years ago that millions of hardworking families watched their life savings entirely wiped out. They lost their homes. They couldn't afford to send their kids to college. And all of this heartache, this pain, this suffering that they went through was a direct result of risky predatory lending practices and too big to fail banks that did not have sufficient capital in place to support and absorb their financial losses. It was in the aftermath of this financial disaster in 2008 that Congress passed protections to prevent this from happening again. But here we are today where these big banks now believe that we should simply forget the past mistakes that they made and instead only evaluate their current activities to determine certain capital requirements. I guarantee you those families who have suffered have not simply forgotten about what they went through and what they are still struggling to overcome and recover from. By ignoring critical indicators of past activities, this bill would allow big banks like Wells Fargo, for example, who defrauded the American people just in the last several months by opening millions of fake, fake accounts to get away with a slap on the wrist. And the American people are set up to take the fall for their actions. Now, supporters of this bill claim that current capital requirements stifle lending and hurt our banks and the economy. But the facts say otherwise. In 2016, bank profits reached an all-time high, and today business lending is up 75% since 2010. Our country's banks added more than $700 billion in capital to absorb potential losses and protect Americans and our economy from financial disaster. Higher capital requirements don't restrict lending. They simply ensure that big banks that are even bigger today than they were in 2008 can absorb their losses without depending on taxpayers for a bailout. The American people deserve a financial system that works for them and their families, not one that bets against them to boost Wall Street profits. We need to pass legislation that increases these capital requirements of banks with assets greater than $50 billion and continue to enact and strengthen reforms that will protect our economy and American families from another massive collapse. That's why I'm strongly urging our colleagues to reject this dangerous bill and instead work together towards efforts that, to build a financial system that serves the American people, not special interests or Wall Street banks. I yield back. So that was Tulsi Gabbard last year uh, speaking out against uh, a bill that ended up passing to deregulate uh, the big banks, which, by the way, 16 Democrats in the Senate voted for because the Democratic Party are Republicans. They're just nicer to women and minorities. But I digress. So I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to keep it real. I, I am a little biased towards Tulsi Gabbard, and I'm inclined to wait and give her the benefit of the doubt until I hear why she's doing a fundraiser with a private equity firm. That is my thought. If there was a pattern of her doing fundraisers with people on Wall Street, if there was a pattern of her doing fundraisers with private equity or something like that, it would be a little bit more problematic. This is one event with a former Bank of America executive who may happen as a Muslim 
I believe that may be part of it, uh, be attracted to the strongest candidate as far as being in opposition to endless war, the military industrial complex, bombing uh, innocent countries and people all over the world. So I'd like to see what her campaign has to say. Like I said, I looked into this guy, uh, Omid Malik, um, who is the CEO of the uh, firm that is sponsoring the breakfast. And again, this is the event tomorrow. Uh, it's you know hosted by Farvahar Partners, so I don't really know. Uh, you know, I don't have any information on how much money uh, the Farvahar Partners is giving her. I think the reality is she's probably needs more money for her campaign, and I'm not ready to declare Tulsi Gabbard a hypocrite or a fraud based on one event that I'd like to know more about, and I'd like to know more about. Um, why she's hosting an event with this particular firm and why uh, this particular firm, obviously if they're hosting a breakfast with her, that would seem to indicate they like her positions. So uh, I'm trying to play it both ways where I'm going to be honest with you, I mean it doesn't look terrific that somebody who has spoken out against private equity um, is, you know, doing a, a, a breakfast with you know, a former Bank of America executive. However, it's one event and I'd like to know more. So that's really all I could fairly say about it. Uh, we'll see. I, I think her campaign is going to get back to me probably tonight. So you could definitely follow uh, Status Coup's Twitter. If you, if you don't follow our Twitter yet, what are you doing? So once the campaign gets back to me, uh, I will uh, issue, the, you know, definitely have that statement out on, on uh, why she's doing this particular uh, fundraiser. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't particularly see it as problematic, only because it's one event does not make a pattern. If, if, if I start to find out more and more events that are not on the calendar and more, you know, kind of uh, secret conversations with Wall Street people and taking their money, then bottom line, I'm not going to treat Tulsi Gabbard different than I do other politicians. You got to keep it consistent. But for now, she's given really no reason um, to think that she's some fraud.